From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things we've been um, consuming. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth. And this week we are talking more Gialli, zombie horror, and of course, found footage. Of course. Duh. <laughs> but before we do get into that, we do have a very brief bit of housekeeping. We got a new review. Yay! We're so excited and we so, love it. Thank you, Jen M276. Um, and yes. as just a, like a reminder, if you like what we're doing with the main feed or these mini-sodes or both, please leave us a review or a rating. Please do. It's so, uh, it's so helpful. I know it sounds silly, but it honestly, it's so helpful. And like we keep saying, it's a nice little Christmas gift to us. So Yes. And my birthday's coming along, and it's the big one. It's four zero. Oh shit! It's the big so, four zero. I would like forty reviews. <laughs> yes, I say forty reviews for Terry's fortieth. Holy shit, that's so good. And if we got forty reviews by then, I'll I'll film myself giving myself uh, spankings. No, no, I won't. I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's not happening. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. Why was that the one you chose? 
Uh, <laughs> I just like, you know, I'm thinking birthdays, you know, 40s, you know, spanks on your birthday, one for every year. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a lot of spanks. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been, it's only Tuesday. But I was going to say, week. it's only Tuesday, but it's been a week. I understand uh, I mean, that. Oh my God. Monday was, uh, was ridiculous in the morning. Um, so sorry about that in advance, guys, or not yeah. advance, if you listen to our episode, like the technical issues, it's the joys of podcasting. I was going to say, editing podcasts are fun. Yeah. Especially when your host screws something up and then you panic and then you start messing things and then. You realize that it messes up other things, and before you know it, you've like exported the podcast six times. But um. we appreciate <laughs> all of your patience. We do, um, and also if you have any comments about any of the movies or that we've seen, or you have suggestions for movies for us to cover on this little show, get in touch with us and let us know. And I think we might even have one that we're talking about tonight, or at yes. least someone is. Yes, we are. So I guess I should just jump right in then. Cephalopod Gal uh, recommended a found footage movie for me this week called The Blackwell Ghost. And yeah. I, I checked it out and I'm actually like halfway through the second one right now. But microphone drama. Um, <laughs> it is so good. I have is it? this. Yes. I mean, again, I, my found footage, whatever. I'm not even going to justify it. It's good. <laughs> don't, don't apologize for your found footage love. Yeah. So... I'm trying to think of how to describe it. Well, it's been on my radar for a while. And why it's been on my radar is because there's five parts. Like, it's it's a five-part... It's not even a five-part series. Like, he made five movies with the same title. And the way these films are formatted is that he says they're real. Mm. Like, they're supposed to be... They are filmed as documentaries. And... Like the credits, the only credit is Ruth Blackwell, who is the ghost, and there's no director. And so this this director, his name is I forgot his name already. Tur- Turner Clay. Um, mm-hmm. He basically is claiming that this is all real. And I googled it, and like someone broke down why it's not real, and then I stopped reading it because I was like, who fucking cares? Like I don't. It doesn't like whatever. <laughs> so I mean, depending on how, what you believe or not, like. Regardless of if it's real or not, it's really tense and it's only 60 minutes long, um, which is amazing. So he, yeah, it's, he's a, he's a zombie, he directs zombie movies and I think he's a real zombie movie director. And then he wanted to make a documentary and is, wants to prove the existence of ghosts. So the first Mm. one is him trying to prove the existence of ghosts and having a really hard time doing it. Um, You know, he's like, I'm a skeptic, blah, 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 and is trying to like prove they're real and and then two years later he gets another lead and so this is this film is about him following that lead and having some really intense experiences in a haunted house it's a little bit slow but i like it's like a slow tension build up the end is really worth it and it's like very much like (gasps) like the kind of like walking through the dark and you don't know what's going to be around the corner so i really enjoyed it and the se- like the rest of the series um, has a lot of really good reviews. I mean, well, not a lot of attention, but good reviews. And so I'm really excited to dig into that because something that's been on my radar. I know it's pretty beloved in the found footage horror community. So I really appreciate that recommendation, Cephalopod Gal. And I know that Cephalopod Gal loves this movie and talks about it all the time. So I'm glad I watched it and can like really understand why 
they love it so much. So hell yeah, yeah. So guys, I will watch your recommendations. Also, <laughs> like please give us them because I'm always. I mean, I love found footage, but I also watch other stuff too. But mostly found footage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also just briefly, um, I caught up on some of my 2020 watches that weren't horror. I watched Sound of Metal and uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, How the- were they? <sighs> I should not have marathoned those two movies back to back. Well, it sounds really heavy because like, isn't isn't uh, sometimes whatever, isn't that? one about um, abortion it's about abortion and it's about yeah. how dangerous it is to be a teenage girl yeah <laughs> it was so beautifully done but it was very intense and then sound of metal was very intense for other reasons and i love them both they're beautiful but like they were it was like that was a saturday choice and uh Oof. that's a heavy saturday yeah um but never rarely sometimes always is on hbo max to stream mm. and then uh, Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime. So Prime, those are yeah. available to stream if you have those services. Um, I recommend them. Just don't watch them back to back. Don't don't make the mistake I did. <laughs> um, but besides that, it's time to talk about our Giallo journey. <laughs> our Giallo journey. And it took a turn for the deep red this oh, week. Oh, my God. Let me pull up my notes. I wrote a lot of notes. I did too. A lot of it is just um, me in all caps screaming. <laughs> it's just like, <gasps> but. So for those that don't know, this was about a jazz pianist and a wisecracking journalist who are pulled into a complex web of murder after the jazz pianist witnesses a brutal, a brutal murder of a psychic. Um, and you had never seen this before, right, Mary Beth? No, I knew the cover with the hanging doll and I knew about that creepy <laughs> uh, animatronic doll. Um, oh, that th- doll is those creepy. Those were the two that I, the, the things I knew about it, and I knew it was our Danto. The first thing that I really want to talk about with Deep Red is the fact that these are just like people who are not police. Yeah. Investigating a murder. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that made me laugh the whole time. I was like, wait, none of y'all are police officers. Like, the guy's a pianist. There's the journalist. <laughs> there's the journalist um, played by Daria. Nickelodeon, which is like okay mm. i get that sort of and then the psycho the psychologist is helping too and i'm like <laughs> what why are any of you doing this also like you're not a, a journalist is probably not supposed to be like really going into active murders i mean i guess they can but it was just a very strange well i kind of think that this one like kind of bridges the like kind of noir kind of it feel of movies definitely does with like what would eventually become like the slasher so i i, I think that like this one is kind of a bridge in, the, in that regard because like you see some of the later um um especially our gentle films going further into like like the 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 kind of slasher aesthetics and like that kind of aspect of it with like but this one like it definitely feels like it's pulling almost from like dick tracy and like the the when you see like the the murderer and they're they're dressed in like the the rain slick coat with like the hat i immediately like pulled to mind like i was kind of wondering if like the dick tracy movie was like pulling from this aesthetic Mm, of like this character because the 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 villain seems like feels just like a dick tracy villain and i love the the score in this movie i think it's score is so beautiful i made a couple notes about that the mix of like jazz with like progressive rock Yes, there was a couple notes when I was like, the fucking like bass lines and organ music just jump in, mm-hmm. and it's just like, holy shit! It like takes the scenes to a whole other level. 
it just like heightens the tension really well. Yeah. And it's just very good. Um, and it's also a Christmas movie. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so this is so funny because I was talking to uh, amazing writer Shay Vassar um, on Slack today and she, I brought up like movies that you watch at Christmas that aren't necessarily hor- like Christmas movies. And she said deep red. And I was like, I'm validated. I didn't tear you also <laughs> validated me, but like, it was so funny that she said that outside of like knowing I had watched it because this is a motherfucking Christmas movie or at least like quasi Christmas movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it takes place at Christmas or at least the opening does. And then I, I feel like this, the kind of aesthetic and the feel of it sort of continues from that opening scene. Well, and I think I have a lot of, and the motif of toys really makes mm-hmm. it feel like that too, because you know the amazing opening shot where it's like tracking through all the toys, and yes. then to the knife, and then to the eye. Again, very Black Christmas. We was like, yeah. we, um, but this motif of children's toys, and that also leans into what slashers become to me about like childhood trauma and a lot of the time in like the slasher movies they're like traumatized children who can't let go of the past blah 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 yeah and i feel like that's a really interesting connection about how slashers really took from that but yeah and then the holiday imagery keeps coming up they open up that creepy wall and there's the corpse in the christmas tree and it just has christmas vibes plus it's called deep red and there's red everywhere (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I feel like it's definitely a little bit of a Christmas movie. I, you know, I'm I'm here to call that canon. Oh, let's do it. Okay, cool. You've heard it here, folks. Scarred for Life declares dark, Deep Red is um, a Christmas movie. You know, one of the, the traits of, of uh, Giallo films that I love and this movie does it does it is the this kind of like idea of like memory or the how it, memory is imperfect. Yeah, because like, you know, this I, I've. To my knowledge, at least three of, of Argento's films do this kind of like, I, I, I guess it, it's a trope at this point with like um, with Bird, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is a really good giallo, too. I um, still haven't seen that yet. Yeah. But like that one and Tenebrae and oh. this one all have a character that sees something and either doesn't understand the importance of what they just saw mm-hmm. or B is like they have like a memory lapse of of what they saw and it doesn't have it doesn't and it comes around at the very end where they realize oh the killer is blah because of blah (laughs) (laughs) and i i love it i just i I love the way it plays with with like memory well and also like it plays with memory and then it all comes back at the end and like the last what like 15 minutes everything just comes Mm -hmm. like everything goes to shit and that's some of the one of the things i love about giallo is like it's a it can be a little bit slow and then all of a sudden at the end it's just like i fucking everything like here's everything and you're just like everything is absolutely bananas and um that is something that i continue to love about giallo i can always expect there to be some wild ass conclusion yeah that you're not gonna like see coming there was one other thing I wanted to mention about this before we got to go to what you've been watching, Terry. There's something else. There, um, I oh, there's actually two things here. I, I wanted to too. talk about how this the architecture of this movie oh. is absolutely amazing. I'm specifically I'm thinking about when he is in the old house with the very round, intricate windows. Mm-hmm. And then when they're in this, like, college's office where he has the windows like with, like, the frosted glass and they make that pattern. 
of like it looks like sun rays. Oh yeah. It's and like it's like it reminds me of Suspiria of these beautifully constructed houses that you can tell are constructed, but like that's what makes them even cooler to me. As there's shots when the pianist Marcus, I keep forgetting his name, is walking outside and it looks like a constructed set. Like when he sees like he's walking under it looks like pillars or walking under like a brick like um like an overpass or something it looks yeah. fake but like in a way that seems on purpose if that makes any sense like yeah. it, it's very very purposely constructed to look constructed and i love that about argento's movies and i feel like i haven't seen that in as as much in some of the other movies we've watched but this one is like Suspiria in terms of like really paying attention to that set design and making it a huge part of the experience. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people consider this like a, a, the his Giallo masterpiece. Oh, um, okay. And you know, I, I think this is definitely where you kind of get like that that Argento red, like that kind of. Yeah. I, I'm thinking in particular of, of even like one of the the establishing shots of of the. Um, um, the, the psychic that is sitting up on there and like everything is red and just the way the thing is framed like oh, yes. it's, it's so beautifully constructed and you're you're absolutely right with with what you're saying and I just I, I love that about this film and I you know I always thought the Tenebrae was my favorite of, of the GLs that I saw but then rewatching this on a second viewing like just really kind of sells this I also love that Argento populates his movie with um, queer characters that aren't the horror isn't yes. coming from like their queerness. Yeah, I agree. I I love that, you know, Marcus goes to visit Carlo and a man opens the door, but it's a very femme presenting person. Like And it's actually I think a woman actress, but oh. like they really like upped up the, the androgyny of it. Yeah. Um, and then I think added a voice in, in uh Okay. Interesting. ADR. But yeah, it's very interesting how they have this gay character and kind of addresses some internalized homophobia, but doesn't make him like, I thought he was the villain at first, but then he's not. I'm like, okay, okay, look at this. I love a good, I mean, I'm sad that, you know, everything that happens yeah. to him, but. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was looking, cause I remember, um, Sister Hyde, uh, Drew, she, this is like her favorite, I think of, um, of, of, of Argento's films. And she was talking about, how Deep Red uses its queer characters to set up a large misdirect based on the prevalence of the killer in the dress trope that Psycho popularized. And it's it's true because like you see kind of the the um I don't know what pronouns they use, what the, what they would use now, but the the boyfriend, if for a lack of a better word, a Carlos boyfriend, who like has like eyeliner and stuff and there's the focus on like the sh the close-up of the eyes of the killer where they put on eyeliner and so there's like this kind of like misdirect that you think that it's going to be uh carlo's boyfriend yeah. or that it's going to be carlo and then you find you know out, out the truth by the end it's um it's interesting it is really interesting and something that not exactly related to that but something i was really thinking about <laughs> was how this could be a con like Especially at the beginning when the psychic can like feel him at the door or the murderer at the door. Mm -hmm. And I want an entire horror comedy 
where a psychic is being stalked by a killer, but every time he gets close, the killer gets close to the psychic, the psychic outsmarts them because they can see what's coming. Uh, I love that this, would and be I think you shouldn't be sharing this information. I- <laughs> <laughs> it would just be so fun. I feel like that'd be a great scary comedy. I just, yeah. the idea sounds great, because I love when she walks up to the door and she goes, oh shit! And then <laughs> burst through the door. I was like, this is actually a whole concept. So. It is. I loved her, too. She was so over the top. But Deep Red is gorgeous. It really is a gorgeous mm-hmm. film. It's creepy. I think it's one of the favorites I've watched. I think I really love Phenomena because it's bugs but and Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> but this was beautiful. Like, it was such a... It's like, Jello movies are such a joy to watch. They're so different, I think, than a lot of things that are made today. Which yeah. is, like, not a... Obviously not, a, like, trash-talking anything made today, but they're just, like, so oddly specific with the way people die or, like, the professions of people. And it's just, like, it's almost campy. What, um... What are we going to talk about next week, speaking of movies that we both watched? Um... I think that you had a suggestion, right, Terry? I did. Um, I saw Anya Stanley talking about this movie because she was really excited that it was now on Shudder. And it's part of the the shutter. What, what do they call it? The uh, the holiday. Oh, um, have a holly jolly Christmas. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, I love it. It's so good. And it is so. It is on Shutter, and it's called "The Red Queen Kills Seven Times." I just these titles are so good. They're so good. They are. And the synopsis of this sounds a lot of fun. About two sisters inheriting a family castle, a string of murders committed by a mysterious dark-haired woman in a red cloak and trying to figure out if the killer is their in- is their ancestor the red queen who legend says claims seven lives every hundred years so it sounds like a lot of fun it does sound like a lot of fun who directed it uh this is directed by emilio M- mara <laughs> god i'm gonna pronounce the name wrong M- Miraglia? 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 Okay. Miraglia? Okay. M-I-R-A-G-L-I-A. Okay. So it's not like one of the most, like one of the well-known directors, which I like though. No. That's cool to like branch out into the other. Because I feel like I only know Giallo in terms of, or Gialli in terms of Argento, Bava, and Fulci. Yeah. So. And Fulci get like, he, he does Giallo for a little bit, but then like he goes, <laughs> he goes like, heavy off the on rails. like zombies and... <laughs> Uh, there is there is a, a Fulci movie that I think we need to watch at some point, though, because I think it starts, I, I believe Elric Kane has talked about this movie before, and it starts with um, someone playing a saxophone or a trumpet into a woman's vagina. <laughs> and that's like the opening of the movie. It's like, I think it's like the devil's something or another. Wow, that's a new and... move. I've never heard of that one before. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really excited to... Um... Watch so I think because we we'll need... have to add that at some. I don't point. even care about the rest of it. I just want to see the visuals of someone playing a brass <laughs> instrument into a woman's vagina. I wish I could remember which one it was. Uh, like, yeah, I, I, what? I just, <laughs> the logistics of that. Not even the logistics. The reasoning behind it, I think, is just like why. But you know what? Why not? The Devil's Honey. That's what it's called. Oh, the Devil's Honey. Even per- even better. I like that name. Okay, well, that 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 needs to be on our list. That'll be that'll be eventually. <laughs> cool. Well, we've talked about our giallo journey, our mm. gialli journey. Is it okay? What gialli is the plural? It's the plural. Okay, mm-hmm. gialli journey. 
Um, but Terry, what else have you been watching and enjoying? Um, well, this weekend is sort of like I started going through movies that had come out this year, trying to like catch up on if maybe they would make my list, and uh, none of them really would. Um, although I did see His House from Netflix that a lot of people are raving about. Ooh, what'd you think? I thought it was good. Um, I I don't know. It just didn't it didn't resonate with me as much as I expected it to. I think it's a really well made movie. I think there's some really good spooks in it. Um, I just I don't know. I just was expecting something different. I guess. Um, but I think it's I absolutely think it's good, and I and I can understand it making people's list at the end of the year. Yeah. Make, um, and then uh, I just watched, like a side note, uh, making your top ten of the year is sucks. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. And this year it seems like really difficult. Right? Like I know my my top five like pretty pat. I don't know the order completely, but I know what's going to be in my top five. But the last five is just like really. Look out for that episode, y'all. Come out at the end of the month. <laughs> and then I watched this uh, uh, Polish slasher that came out this year, on also on Netflix, called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. Love me a good sentence title. Yeah. and How was it? Was it? Fine. Okay. It was, uh, okay. It was kind of... <laughs> You know, it was one of those that, like, it, it, it starts out trying to be very meta, where, like, it has, like, all of the, the character tropes covered, and one of the people's, one of the pe- people's, one of the people talks about, you know, well, if this was a horror movie, these are the things we shouldn't be doing, yuck, yuck. So, like, it feels like it could have been released in the early 2000s in that regard, and it does mm. something interesting in the midpoint that, like, I thought it was going to take it off in a different direction, and then it just sort of, like, fizzled. So... I don't know. It's on Netflix. It's it's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, but the movie that I was really excited to talk about, I watched last night, and it is... Let me pull this up, because it is another movie that has a million and a half titles, <laughs> which, you know, we love. We do love it. Um, it was released as uh, The Living Dead. It was released as Let Co- Sleeping Corpses Lie. It was released as Don't Open the Window. It was released as Breakfast at the Manchester Morgue. <laughs> All of these and titles are also... wildly different. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also released in the UK. And this is the title that um, I think it, it sort of... it Well, it seems to vacillate between this title and Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. But The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Um, what year is it from? And 1974. Okay. It is a Spanish-Italian production. Ooh, um, okay. And the director is, his name is Jorge Grau, Grau, okay. I think. Okay. G-R-A-U. And okay. this movie is awesome. Hell yeah. It's so good. It is, Um. It, it, it's, so it's 1974, it's a zombie film, so it's coming out of, like, the... Uh, um, Night of the Living Dead kind of era, mm-hmm. and the zombies are definitely like Night of the Living Dead type zombies. Okay, so it predates Dawn of the Dead by four years, okay. um, and it it feels like a good like interstitial between those two kinds of kinds of zombie movies where you have the the kind of farmhouse claustrophobic one, and then you have a more widespread one. This one takes place in this in this in this town in England where an a uh, antique dealer has a meet cute with this girl when she crashes into his car well backs up into his uh his motorcycle with her car and so like they're stuck together for for the weekend while his car is getting fixed and they show up in this town and like her sister is um 
a drug addict who's trying to get help. And when they show up, hell has like been unleashed and this zombie has killed her, her husband and has attacked her. And the police think that she did it. Then the police think that (laughs) this pair are like this Manson family level, like murders of like killing people when it's actually zombies. And so like, there's like, there's like this, this kind of, slow paranoid progression of of the film for like i would say about two-thirds of it of like trying to figure out what's causing the zombies while the police are firmly convinced that obviously there are no zombies and it's really these two people doing it but you know you have like um the gore is is done by a a man named gianetto de rossi who you might know as the guy that has done makeup effects for full cheese later zombie films oh. for Dune. Hell yeah, um, Dune. And a little film from 2003 called High Tension. <gasps> High Tension. I yeah. love that movie. Wait, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, so like wow. this guy has done has done makeup um effects especially for like zombies and like gore effects for forever since like the early 60s i think he was known for makeup artistry Holy shit! and like the the effects in this don't go into the same level of, of detail that he would later do in in fulci zombie and stuff but like it's some pretty gnarly stuff um there's like people getting their organs like ripped out a woman gets her breast ripped off oh. um so there's like it's um it's it's pretty good and it is it's fantastic. I love this movie. Hell yeah. It's um it's put out by there's a four K restoration that Synapse video did. Okay. And I ordered that. I got the wrong movie, so I had to send it back and I was hoping to get it back in time from them and I haven't gotten it back in time. But it's also streaming on Amazon Prime. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Not the same uh restoration. It's one done earlier by Blue Underground. Um, but it okay. looks really good. Um and cool. I would recommend giving that one ago did you just hear about it through like synapse's website yeah i like when i sometimes go to their website because you know they don't put out a whole lot of movies um but when they do put out a restoration it's like big time um you know big time deal and this movie actually played at festivals i think last year like the restoration did a a you know how they sometimes do like restorations it so this one did like a tour um last year i think and maybe parts of this year Oh, but yeah, I think parts of this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a really good, good zombie movie. Um, and especially since it's on Prime for free, um, I, you know, I really recommend it. That's amazing. I love that there are things like there are a lot of hidden gems on Prime. Like, yeah, especially like I've talked about it with a lot of found footage, but like there's a lot of older movies on there, too, that are streaming. So it's like I know Amazon and Jeff Bezos are overlords and that's terrible. But like, <laughs> you know, if he already has my information, I might as well use it as I might as well get as much out of it as I can. It's yeah. how I've gotten so interested in found footage movies. So unfortunately, Amazon is to thank for part of it. I mean, that's awesome, though. Yeah. And that, that there's a platform for that. Yeah. And everyone who likes found footage, I finally bought the Blu-ray of Murder, Death, Koreatown. And everyone needs to watch Murder, Death, Koreatown. Thank you. Oh, yeah. It's on Prime. It's another weirdo movie that I'm obsessed with. So, <laughs> One one last thing about this, this zombie movie oh, is sorry, that the I'm eyes. Just, no, no, no. <laughs> I, totally it just, it like, it. just popped in my head. The eyes are really cool of the zombies. And I have a feeling like I just linked in chat. Um, 
Okay. What they look like. Um, but I have a feeling whoa. that like they feel like maybe 28 days later kind of took that kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. It's like it's it, it's like regular it's almost like regular irises that are becoming goat irises almost. <laughs> it looks sort of like a sunburst yeah, but a black like sunburst in the middle so of like a really red eye. Cool. It's really kind of freaky. It is um, freaky. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love like when we talk about these movies and we can see like, oh shit, I wonder if this movie took that from the inspiration from there. It's just really cool. Well, and I know that this movie is um like has like a, a cult following, especially over in the UK, mm. um, because Edgar Wright really likes this movie. Oh, and he has said in interviews that he actually took the the title "Don't" for his um his horror short that he did for uh, the Grindhouse collection. That's like "Don't open the windows, don't open the doors." Like that's like the the trailer for this movie, the this hypothetical movie called "Don't." He says he took it from from this movie of "Don't open the window." <laughs> Of one of the titles that it had. Uh, yeah, so, like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this movie is influential to some filmmakers, but it's, um, I think it's really good. I want to check it out now, especially if it's on Prime. See, okay, I love this podcast for many reasons, and one of them is the fact, and I keep saying this, like, I am learning so much about film history and watching so many movies I may never have watched and learning yeah. so much about horror history, and it's just, like... As a fucking horror nerd, it's just so cool to get to like watch all these movies and really understand like the trajectory of so many genres. It's just great. It just makes me so happy. I agree. I agree, and like I, I'm really enjoying. I'm, I'm really enjoying going back and re- either revisiting these movies or seeing them for the first time, and sort of like seeing how our how our favorite genre has like evolved over the last gosh decades yeah of years, i'm also you know? glad we've somehow started this giallo series and it's like mm. making me exposing me to that subgenre that i don't know much about so i'm very happy for that too <laughs> yeah me too anyway enough of me gushing so that about does it for this week's mini-sode but before we wrap up who are we talking to on monday well, if you listened to last week's episode, you knew that we were going to talk to the screenwriter of Castle Freak on Monday, but there was a little bit of a mix-up, an issue, so that episode is actually dropping this Monday. So we will be talking to Kathy Charles, the screenwriter of the uh, reimagining of Castle Freak, about Basket Case, and I'm so excited it's so for good. you guys to finally hear it. Y'all, Basket Case is absolutely bananas. Um but everyone, you've heard from us, uh, but we want to hear from you. What's a, what's a, Did you watch a film that we watched and have some thoughts about it? Do you have suggestions for a movie we can talk about? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast at Scarred Podcast. And please, again, don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to everyone for listening. Stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>